morning. Can you hear me? Is it on? Okay. <laughs> the scripture reading for this morning starts with Acts 11, verses 19 through 26. You can find, find them in the Bibles in your pews. We'll give you a second. Go ahead. Pull out those Bibles. I'm looking. Come on. Or your phone. That works. Okay. <laughs> give you a minute. Okay. Starting Acts 11, verses 19 through 26. Pray for me. I can see this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as, as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cy Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the Church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians, First at Antioch. The next reading is Acts 11, uh, 13, 1 through 5, and 13 through 15. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. From Paphos, Paul and his, and his companion sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From, from Perga, they went on to Pisidian, Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. And now from Acts 11, uh, 14, 26 to 28. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the children together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. The word of the Lord. Well, it's summertime and uh, time for road trips, right? I hope wherever you're going this summer that it's safe for you, that it's enjoyable, that you get there and you enjoy your time. Um, maybe you're interested in a tour, maybe a tour of a vacation of redeeming value, historical value, a place where we can learn something, um, a place to explore history. Let's say we wanted to take a a summer tour and explore the history of our own nation, the United States of America. Where would we go? Well, I would certainly want to go to uh, Washington, D.C. would be a key place to go. 
maybe Philadelphia, uh, maybe some places in Virginia? What if we wanted to go to Europe and, and explore some of the history there? Let's, Europe's a big place. Let's narrow it down. Let's say Italy. Where would we go in Italy? Um, maybe the Colosseum in Rome. Wouldn't we want to see that? The Vatican. Uh, Pompeii and the ruins there. We'd learn a lot of history. Let's say we want to go to Egypt. We want to see the history of Egypt. Well, we'd want to see the pyramids. We'd want to see the Sphinx. Maybe cruise down the Nile and see some of the tombs of the pharaohs and others that were there. What if we wanted to see a history of our own faith as Christians? Christian history, where we came from. Well, wouldn't we go to Jerusalem? That's easy, right? And then we'd want to go to Galilee, where Jesus was from. And, uh, and we'd want to go to Antioch. Antioch? Yeah, Antioch. Um, it is in Antioch, a place called Antioch, that Christians were called Christians for the first time. Antioch, if you're a Christian, Antioch is part of your homeland. Here's a map of the, this is the uh, ancient Mediterranean world. I'm going to use this pointer and point out some things. I was the one doing that with Nancy. This is so much fun. I had some great time with this. Uh, this is the, This is the Mediterranean world as it looks today. See, there's the Mediterranean Sea, and there's Spain and France. Here's Italy, and then over here is Greece, and then you get to Turkey, and then Syria, and down here is is Israel and Palestine, and Jerusalem is right there. That's the way it looks today. Um, Down here is is Africa, northern Africa. Over here would be uh, Iran and Iraq, those places like that. and, and then over here is uh, Wyoming, Gary, but uh, we're not talking about Wyoming, way over there. And then here's the Mediterranean area as it looked during New Testament times, uh, the times of Jesus, the times of Paul, and uh, different names, but the same area. Here's Jerusalem, and you see this area called Phoenicia. Here's the sea. We're a little closer up. This is uh, what, what we know. This is Greece over here. Italy over here, and these are the areas that we call Turkey today and, and Syria. Um, and yes, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, uh, he was there and he was in Galilee, but he told his disciples, he says, I want you to go to Samaria and I want you to go to uh, Judea and not only there, but the ends of the earth. And when Stephen was killed, the first Christian martyr that happened in Jerusalem, we see that in Acts chapter 6. When Stephen was killed, it became dangerous to be a follower of Christ in Jerusalem. And so the Christians began to leave there, and Christians became refugees, and they fled Jerusalem and began to move up in this area of Phoenicia into Syria to this little place called, well, not a little place at all, called Antioch. Let's go to ancient Antioch for a moment. It was a major hub for early Christianity, a major hub. It's in modern-day Turkey. Then it was in Syria, but today it's in in what we know as modern-day Turkey. And 2,000 years ago, it was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. 300,000 people lived in Antioch. And um, it was the administrative hub of Syria. 
an international city, Antioch was, many cultures, people from many different places, many ethnicities and influences. And as Christians fled to Antioch, as they went up there for refuge, and, and look how far that is from Jerusalem to Antioch. That's, that's quite a distance even today. As they went there, they brought the story of Jesus with them. What happened to Jesus and who he was. And it says, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And many of those who turned to the Lord were Greeks. They were Gentiles. They were not Jews, non-Jewish people. They turned from pagan ways. They turned from belief in Greek gods and the lax moral ways of Greek society, and they turned to the one true living God. Why did they believe? Because someone came and spoke the message of Jesus to them. No one is going to turn to the Lord unless the message is spoken and given to them. There are people who are dying. There are people who are searching. There are people who are spiritually hungry. There are people who want to know what is up with this world and me and my purpose and where are things going and what is happening. And we as Christians, we have an answer and we have a story for that. And we need to know it and own it and share it. The book of Acts is about making disciples and Luke, who writes Acts, would know nothing of a church that wasn't about disciple-making. Again, the leaders who were at headquarters in Jerusalem hear, and they're astounded that non-Jewish people are accepting this message, people who don't have any particular religious background. They respond to the gospel, and they send a man named Barnabas from Jerusalem up to Antioch to check this out. Remember that name. Because Barnabas is an important figure not only in Acts, but in early Christianity. And we're told he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of faith, and that great numbers of people were brought to the Lord through him. And it says Barnabas sees the grace of God. That's the way it's put in the text. In Antioch, he sees the grace of God. When people turn to the Lord, it is evidence of God's grace working. When our hearts are drawn to the Lord, it's evidence of God's grace. Whenever good things are happening in the name of Jesus, when we see him moving, it is the grace of God at work. And Barnabas encourages the people of Antioch to turn to the Lord and remain true to them with all their heart. That's what it says he told them. Remain true to the Lord with all their heart. And that's for us too. We are to remain true, faithful, loyal to our Lord with everything that is in us. Because our relationship to Jesus is not a casual affair. Our Christian commitment is our marriage, if you would, to our Lord. And so many obstacles can get us off the path. And so many things can pull us away from our allegiance to him and into other things. If Jesus is your Lord, remain true to him with all your heart. Well, Barnabas goes to find Saul, who becomes Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is hanging out in his hometown of Tarsus. And he brings him to Antioch, and for a whole year, it says, they meet with the church in Antioch, teaching the believers, building up the church. 
so that they can remain true to Jesus. And we are told it is there that those who follow Jesus for the first time are called Christians. Before that, Christianity was referred to as the way. But now they are called Christians. I want to break that name down. We, we use it, but this is what it means. Let me take the last part of the word Christian, I-A-N. Um, Yan means belonging to a party or a group of. So Christian is to belong to the party or the group of Christ. Um, it would have meant the Christ people or the Christ folk. And it actually, when it was first used, it was a put down. To be called a Christian was kind of a slap in the face. It was a term of contempt. Oh, you're one of those Christ people. Well, I'll give the early Christians this. They, um, they took it, they leveraged it, they made it into a name that identified them and made it a term of respect and admiration after a period of time. But all this took place in the city of Antioch. Well, one time the prophets and the teachers of that church in Antioch were praying and worshiping and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said to them, take Barnabas and take Paul and set them apart. I've got work for them to do. I want to say four things about these leaders in Antioch and what happened when this happened. Number one, this is a spiritually sensitive and discerning church. Prayer, worship, the discipline of fasting, those things open us to God, and we can't control how or when or what God is going to say to us, or if He will, but the more spiritually active we are, shall I say, the more we will find we are led by the Lord, and His Spirit will speak to us. Churches can be filled with all kinds of activities, any number of things we can do, but our primary work is to pay attention to the Lord in prayer, in worship, and other faith practices. As we do that, we live. Churches that don't do that, you'll find they waste away. Well, the leaders in Antioch are spending time before the Lord in more than just two or three minutes a day. And their habit was seeking the Lord, and the Lord called back to them. You know, in our own nation, back in 1806, there was a monumental event that happened in the history of Christianity here. It was called the Haystack Prayer Revival. A group of five college students at Williams College this is in Massachusetts had the habit of praying for other students, for uh, their spiritual welfare, for their coming to the Lord, and, uh, and that they prayed for their hearts, they prayed for their minds. These students were also ridiculed for their Christian faith, and when they had these prayer gatherings, they did this twice every week. They met twice every week to pray for other students. Uh, they had to leave the college campus and they would go, and they would pray somewhere. And on one particular night, they're praying, and they get caught in a huge uh, storm, thunder, lightning, rain. And they find shelter, and they find it in a, in a barn in a haystack. And there they prayed while that storm was going on. And the focus of their prayer was that students would be awakened to be missionaries, to be willing to go throughout the world as witnesses of Christ. One of the leaders of that group was Samuel Mills, who became uh, important in the larger missionary movement and helped start what is now the American Bible Society. Well, from this prayer meeting that came to be known as the Haystack Prayer Meeting, 
five students dedicated themselves to foreign missions. It gave birth to the American Board of Commissioners of Foreign Missions and to a huge movement of students who then began to go out into the world to share the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And it triggered, perhaps, the largest missionary movement of people leaving the church in the United States, going out into the world that our country has known. And it happened because they were praying. As we seek the Lord, as we spend time in his presence, he will lead us what to do and where to go. The second thing about this thing in Antioch, it wasn't just one person in Antioch who said, this is what we will do. It was a group of people. It takes a number of people to confirm when the Lord is doing something big. It takes a number of spiritual ears to say, yes, this is happening. God is telling us this. Third, nothing happens without the Holy Spirit. He is the one who stirs hearts. He is the one who calls people. He is the one who brings the vision. He is the one who empowers the church and the work. And whether it's weekly worship or a youth group or vacation Bible school or Bible studies or mission trips or projects or anything else, the Spirit must make it happen. And we must open ourselves to His leading. And the message from the Spirit was send Barnabas and Paul off. And then fourth, the church in Antioch sends them off with prayer and the laying on of hands. Because we can't send somebody off, we can't do the work of God without the blessing of the church and God through the hands and the prayers of the people. We need the covering, we need the empowerment. And with the sending of Paul and Barnabas, the witness of Jesus Christ hits the road. They go. And it's the first of four missionary journeys that Paul will take. He is going to build up some serious, frequent sailing and walking miles in his life. I read one estimate that on this first journey that, that, that Paul and Barnabas take, they, they might have traveled 10,000 miles. Now remember, this is before mass transportation. This is before GPS. This is before there are Starbucks to stop at. This is before there are uh, airplanes and train travel and holiday inns and, and no AAA and no Expedia.com and there's not even a decent truck stop. Paul and Barnabas are sent off. They're sent off. Well, here's a little... We'll close in on this area, again, the Mediterranean of the New Testament, and there's Antioch, and that's where they go, and they come down here to Seleucia, and they catch a cruise, and go to this island, Cyprus, where they land at Salamis, and they work their way through that entire island until they get over to Paphos, and they talk in synagogues, and they talk in villages, and they talk in towns, anywhere they can get an audience, and from Paphos... They sail all the way across the Mediterranean up here to Perga. And from Perga, they make their way all the way up to Antioch in Pisidia. This is a different Antioch than the one over here. This is Antioch in Pisidia, and it's in the Asia region. And then they begin to work their way to these three cities, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And you see this? This is an area that was called Galatia. We have a book of the Bible, a letter of Paul in our New Testament called Galatians. 
That book is written to the Christians who became Christians and who formed churches because Paul and Barnabas went to that area, as we read about in Acts. What did Paul say when he went to these places? I mean, what, 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 is, what does he say? We get a little bit of a slice of that in, in Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, Paul is up in Pisidian Antioch, and he goes to a synagogue. When you go to a synagogue, you're talking to Jewish people, right? And Paul talks about how Jesus Christ and the Christian faith is a continuation, a fulfillment of everything that God did with Moses and David and Abraham. Listen to just a few of the things he said. Of David's posterity, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. My brothers, you descendants of Abraham's family and others who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. Let it be known to you, therefore, my brothers, that though this man, through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. By this Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from all those sins from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. You know, two-thirds of our Bible is the Old Testament. Sometimes I, it gets a little thick for me reading it. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the history of Israel of Abraham and, and David and Moses. But, you know, it's from there. That story of that is to show how God led mankind to need a Savior who was His only Son, Jesus the Messiah. Um, well, as Paul and Barnabas go around, they get mixed results. Sometimes people believe and they get a good, a, a good hearing and people become Christians, but sometimes they're rejected. Uh, they had to get out of Iconium where they were threatened to be mistreated and stoned. They get to Lystra and they, they, they do a miracle. They heal a man who could not walk. And the people go nuts. The people think the gods, the Greek gods have come down to the earth. And they start calling Barnabas Zeus and they start calling Paul Hermes. And the priest of the temple of Zeus comes out and starts making sacrifices and having a big celebration for them. And Paul and Barnabas say, whoa, wait a second here. And they get them straight, but it gives them a chance to talk about the one true living God. But unfortunately, some of the people who chase them out of Iconium follow them into Lystra and Paul is accosted and he is stoned and he's left for dead. And we would expect Luke to say more about this, but all he writes is that the disciples gathered around Paul, he got up and he went back into the city. Pretty sparse and hard to imagine. But the next day, they go to Derby, and it says many disciples were made there. And once they're in Derby, Paul and Barnabas turn around and go back to all those cities. They just, they turn around, they go back to all those cities that they travel to. Sometimes cities where they were in trouble, where people were seeking after their life. And it says they strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith. Because continuing is one of the hardest things in walking with the Lord. The wisdom of Saul and Barnabas is that just because people become disciples doesn't mean that they stay that way. There are all kinds of obstacles. There are things that cause adversity and we need follow-up care. And we can never encourage and strengthen one, enough, one another enough in the church uh, because there are hard things to face and it can cause people to quit in their faith. 
One of the reasons for the church is to help one another continue along in Jesus. In fact, Luke tells us that Paul and Barnabas would say to all these new churches, it is through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of God. The message was not, hey, you're Christians now. It's going to be a piece of cake. Life is going to really be good for you. You'll probably be rich. You'll be better looking. And everything will be peaceful. Even Jesus told his disciples, in the, trouble, in, in the world, you'll have trouble. Following Jesus can be hard. It rubs against the pattern of this world. And when convenience becomes more important than the cross, our discipleship grows weaker. Our faith will fade. And so we need to encourage one another to continue. And Paul and Barnabas strengthened the churches by appointing elders in all those churches to nurture the churches, to lead the churches. We are still nurtured and led by elders today. This church is led by elders. And elders, we are to strengthen others in their walk. So we need to be strong in our walk. Eventually, Paul and Barnabas come back to Antioch, the very place that sent them out, the very place where they left from, where they were first commended to the grace of God. They practice accountability. They report back to the church. They tell the stories of what they saw, what happened, uh, what they heard, and how God opened a door for the Gentiles, for non-Jews, to believe and come to Christ. And they gather the church and they talk about this. And we don't know the length of that journey exactly, how long they were gone. Maybe a year, maybe two years. But talk about a road trip, huh? The conversations, the encounters, the rejections, the arguments, the conversions. People thinking you're a god. People out to get you. Long hours in a boat. Walking long dirt roads. And that was only the first journey. We're going to follow through Acts the other journeys that come. But this is what Jesus told his disciples to do. Take him and his name into all the world. And the Holy Spirit inspired the church to do that, and he still inspires us. No place is off limits to the message of Jesus Christ. We may not travel like Paul did. That's not everybody's call, to be sure. But we take Jesus with us wherever we go. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, make us witnesses. Call us. Send us. Give us a heart for lives that haven't had the chance to hear you or that have not turned to you. Raise up a people who will go from us and for us. Who is God putting before you who you can be a witness to? Who around you needs to know the love and grace of Jesus? Where might he be asking you to go? 
Holy Spirit, speak. Amen.